and welcome to episode 119 of the Sunny 16 podcast. Only one away from the magical 120, but not 120 millimeter because M will get upset. Anyway, we have a great show in store for you this evening. No aid with us yet, but we are hoping he will be joining us later in the show. He has had a very long and busy day, and we're hoping he'll be able to jump on the call in a while. But we do have the lovely Rachel with us. Rachel, how are you? Hey, I'm good. I've sort of been coming down a little bit with a cold uh, today, so I've been trying to sort of stave it off with hot tea, and I've got all the scarves on, and I've got um, lots of jumpers, lots of layers, gloves even. Uh, it's definitely feeling like it's uh, heading towards autumn up up here in the north. Great. <laughs> you, you, you have, to carry on the wombling analogy from the last episode, you have gone Oi. for, for what's the name? <laughs> Madame Bulgaria? That's not right. No, it's Uncle Bulgaria. <laughs> Madame Beaujolais? Anyway. I have no me. idea. You, you do know what a womble is, don't you, Rach? I, of course I do. I, I used checking. to watch the Wombles of Wimbledon. Of course I did. Okay. I am an 80s child. Um so yes, they were they were very much part of my my childhood. Um, but thank you for the very um, you know big compliments. Um, I love, love Wombles. Um, and yeah. to all our American listeners, one apologies for uh, Wombles. Um, look it up because we could never explain it to you in a way that would make any sense whatsoever. Um, fortunately, to fill the aid size gap more than adequately this week, we have a wonderful guest, a young gentleman who we will be asking a lot of probably very silly questions to because. Because um, what he's doing, I don't understand at all. Uh, and it is just wonderful that it's being done. Uh, joining us from Brett's Analog, it is an absolute delight to have Henry Brett's with us this evening. Henry, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Now, it is important that we get out the way uh, what listeners may have already um, inferred from your uh, introduction. Um, that you are what Rachel and I like to refer to as a youngish man. And so, (laughs) (laughs) as I had to explain to you before we started recording, that everything I say to you is coming with a certain degree of underlying resentment (laughs) at the fact that you're out there doing cool stuff at an age where I was um, staying in bed until three o'clock in the afternoon uh, and then doing nothing with the rest of the day. But um, for listeners who may not be familiar with um, you and with what Brett's analogue is, because I know that your stuff uh, has been pretty much UK focused so far. Yeah. What 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 is Brett's Analog? How how has Brett's Analog made its name? Um, best way I could probably describe it is uh, a project which, well, my personal project where I I'm focusing on providing a, a service to the film photography community without uh causing but without charging a large price like other larger companies do that is a pretty fantastic goal to have um as part of your work towards this um you have already put out one film uh skyline 400 which you put out um back in january and you've got another one in the works and more plans in the work um but let's talk about your first film um we've had in the past we've had um uh, uh steven on from foma pam not <laughs> oops that was a freudian slip cosmo photo yeah that's what i meant <laughs> yeah sorry steven Good. <laughs> um we, we had steven on from cosmo photo um 
And we talked about them, and we've spoken about things uh, like the Yodic film and the fact that there are quite and double, um, lots of people bringing new boutique films uh, to market in different ways and and the different approaches to getting those onto the market. Whether it's you know in some cases rebranding, in some cases actually manipulating the film. Skyline Four Hundred. Can you talk to us a bit about what Skyline Four Hundred was? Because at this point, it is no longer going, <laughs> yeah. is it? Uh, well, it was a, uh, it was as far as I can uh, tell, an original uh, film, as such. So it was made on an old Ilford uh, speed camera base, which is why it's so thin. Uh, and then it does have its own emulsion then applied to it separately. See, this is the, you mentioned this to me before. So when you say it has its own emotion, is this an emotion that you were making, or is this explain further? More details needed. No, it, it's it. I didn't. I have not made the emotion. No, um, it is one that I bought, but then applied separately onto the um, base. By I don't do it personally. It would be far far too difficult to do just at home or mm-hmm. uh, DIY. I have been asked about that quite a few times, but. The easiest way is to actually send it off to a special to a specialist who can do it properly, and mm-hmm. you then get a guaranteed result. Got you. So you sourced you sourced the materials. Yeah. Um. How did you come to to be at this point? Because as we've already mentioned, you you are I think it's safe to say the youngest person we've had on the show so far. Mm-hmm. Um. And to be at that point and to be getting a film out. How, how did these events line up to make this happen? Uh, actually, let's start with the obvious. What's been your background in photography full stop? Um, really, it's, it would be about three and a half years ago. Um, I started getting into uh, filmmaking with digital camera. Nothing uh exquisite or interesting you know everyone has that phase at one point and quite normally what comes out of it is hardly amazing so yeah same happened to me but from that i then went to digital photography and then it was me wanting to take photos of old cameras i bought a camera of ebay the kodak resonet 1b which is still one of my favorites uh despite being an extremely simplistic camera uh, and then really just going to Boots and going from there. And and that's just what sparked your interest in, in analogue yeah. photography. Okay. Um, and you mentioned before we started recording that your your father has a habit of um, just turning up with random cameras on the reg. Yeah. <laughs> Which must have helped feed that. I mean, that's pretty great. Yes, definitely. <laughs> that's a good parent to have around. So I understand that. Um, and although it's unusual for that to happen quite so quickly. Um, it, it's not an unfamiliar story that somebody starts off with mm-hmm. digital and then starts exploring further, especially when you're into the um, filmmaking side because of all the lenses and stuff like that. I can certainly see how that would draw you in. Um, but that next step from, oh, I'm enjoying shooting with these old cameras to, I think I'm going to make my own film, <laughs> is quite a leap that not many people have made. How did you come to that choice? I honestly have no idea. <laughs> I <laughs> I one day decided that I wanted to try it out, um, realised that it was feasible and 
kind of set about to doing it. So, yeah. <laughs> but okay, how did you realise it was feasible? I mean, I wouldn't have the first clue where to go to um, source a film stock or an emulsion. Um, and yeah, how 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 did you get out there? How did you find the way to do it? Uh, mainly just lots of online research. Um, and I can re- remember one specific example uh, is I was extremely intrigued by what Sebastian Motion did back in, I think, 2015 uh, down in Australia with a uh, uh, film Never Die and how he then created his own brand and went from there. And I, I remember thinking that'd be a really cool thing to do. So it, it went from there and then uh, that combined with lots of research and finding what I could do with the resources I had. And yeah, Brett's was the end result. Okay. The um, the film Never Die is not one I'm familiar with. Is that still going? I'm pretty sure it is. Okay, yeah. It's, this the, is not... the company Film Never Die, which is a independent actual uh, seller, like, for example, Analog Wonderland, uh, and Sebastian Motion was the actual... Uh, was the uh business project that inspired me so got you okay so when it came to making your own film this first batch the skyline 400 um how do you approach that you you obviously found it was viable you found the resources that you needed mm-hmm. um was it a case of okay i'm going to try this base with this emotion and then find the best use case for it or was there a lot of um trialing different um emotion and base combinations um it was more or less the f- i was it worked first time the issue then was finding the correct iso and then developing times from that yeah that's that then be- tends to become the problem um but a lot of it was then uh actually getting the film and canisters finding the, I, I, this is sounds uh, uh, slightly mundane as such, but a, a lot of it was finding a source of everything and then bringing it in and putting it all together. And then from that, creating a brand. And admittedly, my first branding was awful. <laughs> and it still is. I, I need to work on it. And I, I, I'm quite conscious of that. And it's in the works. I have a new design for Contrast coming out soon. So that is on its way. And what was it about that first film that when you um, first got it back from uh, being coated and and cut, so you could actually roll some up yourself, I'm guessing, and and try it out? Mm -hmm. What did it feel like to be going, oh, here's... Here's the thing that, in the most literal way, I I made this and I'm going to make the pictures on it and I'm going to develop them. What was that experience like? Well, easiest word to describe, awesome. Like, who wouldn't want to do that? Um, I'd like to do that, thanks. That'd be great. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I went I went for a walk around London because I, I remember first I'd put a little bit in a canister just shot a few um, photos around home and those just did not work at all. And I was, I remembered being quite worried, like, oh, is this actually going to work out? I then rolled out a second roll, went for a walk around London, took a few photos around St. Paul's. Uh, 
and those results came out well and I was extremely extremely happy so you could probably see that on my Instagram when uh, some of the first shots <laughs> are still up there yeah yeah no it's great there's not a huge amount of stuff on your instagram feed so it should be very easy for listeners there's not a huge amount of stuff on your um, website either so it's very easy for people to bring themselves fully up to what speed there is (laughs) on brett's analog um it it is an incredible achievement just to get to the point where you have your own emotion on on a roll of film and in your hands um what quantities did you make of the skyline was it a fairly well obviously it was a limited run um how much were you able to make in that first batch uh first batch i made 20 so it was extremely extremely limited yeah and that was only sold through people dming me on instagram and then me setting up a contact via paypal and then well sending away their films uh, it's only really when I came across people like Paul from Analog Wonderland, that's when I properly could start setting up a more streamlined actual way of selling. And so, um, as I said, Skyline came to an end in back in August, didn't it? I think early August. Yes. Why is that? In truth, I ran out of materials and I could not find any more. <laughs> yeah, that's a good um, reason. But also because when, because I was doing, um, I'm still doing contrast. When I was doing Skyline and contrast, I realized I would not have, I, would, I wouldn't be able to do, I would not be able to do anything else and then keep on supplying those. Yeah. So it was kind of getting past that block of, well, I need to get rid of something so I can move on to something else. And that's what I'm kind of trying to do with 127 film. Though it's, uh, yeah, it's proving difficult, to say the least. Well, you did take on a reasonably good challenge there. And we Mm -hmm. haven't really talked, so so Contrast, um, when did Contrast appear on the market? Uh, Contrast was uh, start of February. If I remember, it was around that. It was quite quickly afterwards. Um, but contrast is not is the Cosmo photo as such of my brand. Uh, it was not an original motion. It has been relabeled as such. So gotcha. it was much quicker to bring out. Yeah, yeah, and, and as you yeah. said, there's, there's nothing. I mean, we know that. You know, there's. There's various films in the market which are really, and it, and it is a good thing because it makes those films generally more available, um, or just you know mm-hmm. more fun and unique to you. So there's nothing wrong with that. I'm a big fan of films being available, yeah, <laughs> in all the ways that they are. Um, you talked right at the beginning about the fact that your desire with all of this is to. M- try and deal with one of the big problems that is often leveled at analog photography as an ongoing um an ongoing thing full stop which is the fact that it is expensive um and film can be expensive uh but how is it and i realize that brett's analog is still very young so (laughs) it just Mm -hmm. in general (laughs) that this is an unfair question to perhaps ask but how do you think you're going to make it 
work longer term because working in very small quantities on boutique stuff doesn't tend to go hand in hand yeah. with economical um, because the numbers don't add up. Um, what's the way forward with that? Uh, in truth, I have no idea. <laughs> At least that's an honest answer. <laughs> but uh, I have, depending on what I can actually find for 127, because there's an issue with backing paper and spools. Those are the two main things with 127 film. Providing I can find a reliable source of those, like the uh, Japanese company that makes uh, Rarapan and the other one, which I've forgotten the name, provided I can get a source like that, then I should be able to upscale quite drastically on 127. Yeah, because after your announcement, there was quite a, a, a buzz about it because um, there were a lot of 127 cameras out there. Mm. Um one two seven. I suppose. Do you want to explain to listeners what one two the the one two seven format is? Because there may well be listeners who are not familiar with that. Okay, so one two seven is a smaller version of one twenty, uh, which more or less became obsolete. I'd say early two thousands, uh, because the brands couldn't actually support making it anymore. So there's loads and loads of 127 cameras which are now extremely, extremely cheap on eBay because you cannot find any film for it. Um, for example, I have a baby Rolleye 4x4. Well, yeah, 4 times 4 uh, And nowadays, those are extremely... Compared to the one t- uh, 120 uh, siblings of yeah the uh, Rolleflexes, the one, the one two seven versions are extremely cheap. A, a lot of the one two seven cameras were very basic um, point and shoots. I mean, a, a lot yeah. of Kodak brownies and stuff like that, in particular. Yeah, but, yeah. you can um, find loads of those. Yeah, uh, but as you said, there were a couple of high end models. Um, the Rolleiflex, mm. uh, Yashica, as well had a four by four model. So there are some nice cameras out there, and especially given the popularity of um, lomography-style shooting, these the brownies and things like that uh, are perfect for that um, because a lot of them were using uncoated yeah. lenses and um, stuff like that. Um, but what is proving to be the most challenging thing to source at the moment? Is it the spools? Is it the backing paper? Well, it's they, they kind of go hand in hand because... Um... The spools are difficult because no one really makes them. You can It's quite easy to find people uh, making 120 spools because people still viably shoot that. But the 127 is a lot smaller and a lot more difficult to produce. And then the backing paper, there is an issue where Kodak and Ilford, and they all release backing paper for the 120, but with with numbers printed no one prints no one uh sells unprinted backing paper for a good price so the issue is looking at the viability of cutting down 120 back uh, backing paper but then how are you going to relabel that and that that's kind of the issues which i'm uh running into currently they don't sound like small problems either um no 
because the one two seven rules uh, reels are so small, are they viable for three um, D printing and stuff like that? No, they're not. That that was the main issue. I that was like my first idea. I could always just three D three D print them, but actually because they are so small, then they don't become structurally sound when they are 3d printed yeah you need to actually have them properly uh like plastic molded or injected i don't know quite the technical term but yeah 3d printing isn't an option i know from listening to the um fpp many years ago when they started producing um 620 spools um that i think they first tried out um the 3D printing for those because it, you know, they are big enough to be structurally sound but I think they found that the production process just wasn't ideal for that because 3D printing you, you end up with burrs and rough edges which is yeah. the worst possible thing you can have on something <laughs> which is intimately associated with a roll of film um, so yeah I can see that that is problem. and then I suppose then as you said if you go down the injection moulding you, you need to be looking at numbers um, but your plan to film for that um, you were, your plan is to put out is it Portra on the 127? Yes. So currently I have plans to release an extremely, extremely limited batch <laughs> of Portra 160. What is uh, extremely, extremely? Are we talking three rolls here? Uh, no, in the tens. So, <laughs> in the early tens. Cool. Yeah. Um, but just to see, you know, quite whether it's possible. Um, and I have looked into if the result from that is extremely good and everyone's extremely happy with it, whether it be feasible, then uh, uh, looking for crowdfunding like Kickstarter or another way of actually properly uh, releasing a full batch, which is more than the tens. Yeah, yeah. Although I would imagine you might have run into some problems with Kickstarter just because of your age, might Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> ah, the perils of youth. I'm glad there are some consequences for being young, Henry. Um, this stuff that you're doing, so the spooling the film onto rules, or I'm assuming you're doing all of this at home. Um, yeah. All the, um, do you have a sort of a dark room setup at home? Uh, yeah, I do. In a, to be honest, a wardrobe which <laughs> works fine. Um. How, yeah. how big a, a, a wardrobe, wardrobe is it? Cupboard. And is Narnia on it's the quite other a big side? One. <laughs> it's quite a big one. It works. Um, There's nothing but... wrong with the wardrobes. Wardrobes are good. <laughs> <laughs> um, but there's still I, I, there's still the issue of running into 120. And I'm just coming up with where I'm getting my first prototypes out. And I need to get to shooting them now. So early stages but it's looking promising mm. so. it would be really because I, I I mean I yeah, obviously colour film must have been available in the day uh, in 127 but I've never seen um, uh, modern photography modern emotions shot through 127 um, mm-hmm. that would be really nice to see and I really hope you do make that work because um, Rarapan appears to have uh, be off the boil at the moment I don't that doesn't seem to be available um, so um, yes, given the huge number of cameras that are out there to be shot, I think Rach, you and I have both got a few of them, haven't we? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, although none of us are quite as fancy as the Rolleiflex. Um, Brett's Darkroom Coffee. Um, how yeah. and why did you end up making coffee for a while? Um, well, it was a an idea that I had whilst drinking coffee. <laughs> um, that kind of goes on the stereotype of how it's it's very hipster to shoot film and going off that it's also very very hipster to drink coffee so it's cut it's it it acts as a promotional item i still i still do make it partly because my uh for mainly because of my own consumption <laughs> uh but it is definitely going to possibly be somewhere uh, I have someone in Italy who's interested in stocking it, of course. It's Italy. Um, and then Paul uh, from Analog Wonderland has also shown a bit of interest in uh, sourcing it to sell as like a uh, gift or, or something extra you can add on for your uh, analog photography friend. Uh, yeah. That's no, that's fantastic. Uh, <laughs> I, uh, you, I just love the fact that consistently the the conversation is, yeah. I just thought that I might like to do this, and then I just did it. Um, because yeah. <laughs> I, I think I think you only get to do that at the age you're at. Because once you get a bit older, you realize that no, that's not the way the world mm. works. The way the world <laughs> works is that you go, oh, I'd like to do this, and then you go, oh no, it's too hard, and there are obstacles in the way, and things never happen, and that's what you know life is like and you just seem to be going no i'm just gonna do it and i've done it uh, and the end um <laughs> you're currently i think trying... it's more time isn't it how, how do you find um that in terms of how long you find you're spending henry working on brett's film or brett's analog is it is it a huge part of um of your day of your week um or what have you or are you able to kind of um work it alongside you know whatever else you're doing in education, if you're in education. <laughs> Full-time education at the um, same time. Yeah. yeah. I I can manage it, I find. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm very much probably the smallest uh, corner of the analogue community. I think mm-hmm. I actually beat uh, Washi Film to their claim to be the smallest film <laughs> company. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I can manage time currently quite effectively. I mean, I may run into problems in the future, but mm-hmm. come, I'm okay. Fantastic. That's good. So you're currently working uh, or trialling a new film. Can you talk to us a bit about what it is you're working on? What kind of, is this um, a, another new emotion you're putting together? Is it something different? What What's coming? Um, it was an idea which hasn't quite turned out how expected. Um, so I wanted uh, a extremely low grain, but also low contrast uh, film, which is what I was aiming for, mm-hmm. uh, because I currently have Skyline, which is quite a heavy grain. Contrast, which has extremely low grain, but obviously high contrast. So I wanted something to kind of balance the, the middle. And what I currently have is a, lots of rolls of extremely, extremely low speed film, which doesn't always work. So it, it 
it's interesting to shoot because it poses a lot more of a challenge. But it isn't the best option if you want to be guaranteed photos. Got you. What are you finding that it is working well for at the moment? Um, uh, portraits, it works quite well for. Because of the fine grain, um, it does also, it, it blends shadows quite well. So I found that for portraits, it does really do its job well. Uh, I've also tried it with architecture. Yeah. And architecture always looks good on black and white, so there's no uh, troubles there. But the issue is very much the speed. So you need to use extremely, uh, well, either a really bright summer's, uh, summer's day or using professional studio lighting. Both of which I do have access to, but yeah, it depends. So what speed do you think this film is actually going to come out at, at the end? We're looking at 50, 25? I'm currently shooting at 6, but <laughs> I'm trying to get it to 25. <laughs> that is quite... A... So is this another um, another one where you have sourced an emotion and a base, um, or is this a, a film stock that you've hunted down that you're trying to find the right use for? Uh, this is a this another film stock that I've hunted down, which, as far as I can tell, is nowhere else. Um, though I I managed to find like the only a thousand foot roll there was, and I'm trying that out. So it kind of works, but also doesn't really, and I need to do a lot more testing. <laughs> It sounds like a really good long-term plan going on. <laughs> I've, got, I've got a thousand-foot roll that I am rapidly burning through. Trying, mind you, a thousand-foot roll, you can't really rapidly burn through. Yeah. Um, and if necessary, it's a really good gift just for when I'm out on photo walks or for a most of Secret Santa. I would definitely include a roll in there. So it, it's good for that uh, reason. That sounds pretty awesome in its own right. Um I would love to get your take uh, as somebody who is not old and jaded like us. Um, and I think I can say us now because I think Aid's with us. Aid, are you there? I am. Hello. Hey. Hi. Hello. Hi. Nice to meet you, Henry. The nice oldest and most jaded of the sunbeams. It's <laughs> <laughs> uh, a lovely yes. way of bringing him in. <laughs> to, 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 today, definitely, yes. I am, I am feeling... Yeah, every one of my 27 years today, I tell you. <laughs> That's been a rough paper That's still round. twice as old as Henry, probably. <laughs> uh, um, yeah, Henry, I just, what is your view on on the analogue community and, and the business uh, and how things are going? Because it seems as though, I, I don't know whether this is you setting your store going actually this is what i want to do with my life and career once i'm out of education um or whether this is just something that you are enjoying dallying with now but where do you feel like things are where do you feel like they're going um and what's your general take on it all um well first of all as far as i'm i know i'm not planning to pursue brett's analog just onwards in my life it's something i'm doing currently it, it you know, it's something for me to do rather than something that I could be doing otherwise, which would waste my time, in my opinion. Um, as for the actual community as a whole, I think it's definitely going to go somewhere. 
maybe not extremely mainstream, but I think there definitely is a future for the analog community. Have you seen, um, I think it was Cosmo Photos uh, uh, blog posts about the future of the analog community? I don't think I have. I, I No, I was on their website recently. Actually. Was it recent? Is it a recent one um, you're talking no, about, I Henry? It's quite old, but Stephen does put out a lot Sorry? of lovely. Co- Stephen does put out a lot of yeah, lovely content, think... doesn't he? So it, we may well have come across that particular one, but um, it may uh, not be the one that we're thinking of right now. Um, you'll have to uh, let us know the link to that, and we can pop it in the show notes if it's one that you're sort of like referencing. Uh, what what, what okay. did this particular article say? Um, well, he was referencing about how he had an idea about how analog uh, analog photography becomes a niche mm-hmm. and something that's very common within younger uh, ages. Um, and there's references to uh, uh, shops and labs popping up in different cities all over the world and it becoming a quite a large thing. And I, mm-hmm. I think that's what I'd like it to go. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure it's going to get at least close to that. However, I'm not. I think there's always a chance that it could just drop off for the mm. second time, mm. and there may not be another resurgence. Mm. Uh, can I ask what sort of like what area you sort of live in? Are you in a town, a city, something I'm, like that? I'm in a town. Okay, so it, um, like I find that really interesting what you're saying about it being kind of more um, visible, perhaps you know, in in mm-hmm. sort of like physical life. Um, maybe the idea of having you know at least like one lab on each high street. I don't know if they yeah. necessarily be on each high street, but perhaps in each sort of major town or major city or what have you. That that's kind of that feels kind of achievable. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Um, is that is that your general feelings or do you think it would be bigger or smaller than that? Or I, I think around about that, but it would okay. it would definitely have to become a niche mm-hmm. thing. Um, it could not go and uh, beat digital to anything. That is not a contest that and the analog community could ever win because digital is here to stay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But there will, I think there will always be that little just section of the world that is, uh, well, that it can reside in where people do uh, analog photography. Mm-hmm. And it, it, I don't know how to describe it. Are we back to the Wombles? <laughs> <laughs> I think Graves like, oh, yeah, maybe. <laughs> um, I mean, you're you're quite literary on the, well not quite literary on the coal face because you're not a miner but you are <laughs> you, you are you are our resident correspondent on young people today um okay what 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 is the feeling i mean is there beyond yourself is there much interest is your peer group interested in what you're doing are you seeing other people uh, shooting film around you i mean i know that instax is is very popular but do you see much sign of it in your immediate surroundings um, a lot of people have been interested in what I personally have been doing, uh, but apart from that, I haven't seen many others, and I think I may just be a bit before my time. Mm-hmm. Um, in that, obviously, Instax, yes, is extremely popular. Um, I know several people with Instax cameras, 
uh, and who use them fairly regularly. The problem with Instax, at least in my view, is it isn't necessarily a photographer, like a professional photographer's camera. It's very much a snapshots on the go, just niche kind of thing that you could use ever so often. Not a great one for transitioning from to something else. No. Yeah, I'm with you. Um, what do you think it will take, or what, what do you think is perhaps absent at the moment to encourage um, the upcoming photographers to want to engage with analog more? Sorry? What What do you think is needed or is, is absent at the moment from, you know, from what's out there to encourage more people your age and younger to pick up an analog camera? What are the obstacles? Um, I think more people getting into it. That That's the main thing. Um, because as soon as it actually becomes a proper thing, like it has for millennials, and it's, when it probably becomes a, a thing that people do, more and more people will then buy into it and continue actually pursuing that. Yeah. Um, and even if it's just something that you do ever so often, not necessarily, you don't have to make uh, shooting film a regular part of your life. Even if it's for, you know, one weekend every so often or taking a film camera on holiday, it still does help the community. Um, and I think definitely you could coax more young people into it. No, that's good. Uh, it, it does seem from what you're saying that like just building up a certain amount of momentum behind it. Mm. Uh, as, as Rachel said in the past with regards to um, women in photography, uh, that sort of thing of you need to see it to be it and for it to be a desirable mm -hmm. thing for young people yeah. to pick up and do. They want to see other people who they look up to and respect doing it, not necessarily <laughs> cross the old fart like me um, out with a camera, which is probably, if anything, quite off-putting to wanting to pick up a camera. Um, I'd yeah. say probably um, in terms of the workshops and things that I do, I see maybe 50% um who are um you know sort of 14 15 up um and then 50 percent who are possibly um slightly older photographers who are shot with digital and want to come back to analog so it's actually quite a nice uh, ratio mm -hmm. i think um so i do tend to see to see that um but for example uh recently i had somebody getting to get in touch and ask if there were any um youth photo groups you know um to or photo clubs or what have you uh, and i said not that i know of sort of specifically as yeah. ones that were that are set up for young people um general photo uh, photography uh, clubs obviously um i'm sure they would be uh, welcome at um, but I can see, you know, that that the atmosphere and the environment and what have you, and going along to one of those kinds of clubs, you, you know, even as a as a woman, sometimes it's like, oh God, is it going to be a room full of of mm. people who, you know, um, I don't necessarily identify with. So I can see that also for for perhaps the younger generation, younger generation, it might be quite nice to have a space like that where it actually does feel like you're amongst your peers doing that as well um and perhaps that's perhaps that's something for us to look at in general yeah so just to finish up on this we've already talked about the 127 film and the the um work in progress film that you're um trialing at the moment uh the yeah. uh, 
Do you have any other, I know you've said that, you know, you're not looking for um, Brett's analogue to necessarily be a long, long term thing for you. But do you have any things that you are thinking, yeah, but I want to get that done before I wrap up? What's what are your goals? What are your immediate goals for trying to get done with you know, what can we look forward to from this artisanal film manufacturer? <laughs> um, I'm not sure. I have a hard drive just filled with ideas that I've had. And a lot of them have been very much, I've looked into it and realized that's, that's not going to be possible. Um, a few ideas I, I have uh, seen is I, I've wanted to try doing my own um, uh, color, well, colorful film. That's the best way to describe it, like um, Double and mm-hmm. uh, Yorika. Um, I, I think that'd be a cool project to try out at some point. Um, and another one I've had an idea for is doing what Sinner still does. Obviously, I'd have to do it on a smaller level. Mm. Um, but taking the Wemjet out of off uh, one, no, Vision 3 or Cinefilms, mm. and then uh, selling that. Both, well, the, uh, the colourful one's not so difficult, but I'm sticking to what I'm doing currently. Mm-hmm. But definitely the... Uh, what Sinistil does, I have looked into and it's proved quite difficult to do. Yeah. So it's it's an idea for the future, but it's a hmm, maybe idea. Well, I for one, Henry, will be watching Brett's Analogue with uh, keen interest and enthusiasm to see what you do and also because anything that you do do is almost certainly <laughs> only ever going to be available in limited quantities. So... <laughs> Yeah. Watch. And, and also, I mean, I can't imagine that if there's anybody listening from any sort of companies anywhere who are not thinking, oh, my goodness, we need to employ this person as soon as we <laughs> possibly can, because I, I I have never met anybody who just goes, oh, yeah, yeah, I, I'm just going to do this. I'm just going to make this happen more than you do. Um, it is fantastic. I, I love what you have already achieved with Brett's Analog. Thank and, you. Um, I wish you every success, especially with the 127 film. We had um, J.M. Golding, who uh, runs the 127 day, uh, which is actually multiple yeah. days, <laughs> the, the, the one, two, seven <laughs> days throughout the year, who, after hearing about your project, got in touch with me and said, oh, I need to know more. Please tell me more. Um, so mm-hmm. I don't know whether she's been in touch with you. Um, I suspect she probably has. But if not, we will pass on her details because um, she's very, very keen. Um, okay. I, I would, would love to see what uh, comes of that and um the new film um we will take a break now but before we do just so people don't forget where can they find out where's the best place to go to follow you at the moment um probably instagram that's at brett.analog that's where i keep the most updated as much as i there isn't loads there there i do normally tend to uh keep that updated with what i'm doing and what plans for the future are I also have a small blog uh, part on my website where I post all the major film news. So that's uh, brettsphoto.co.uk. Those would be the two main places to look at if you're interested. 
perfect and um hopefully might be news of the uh, the film you're working on at the moment it might be making it out at some point in the very near future yeah possibly does it it have a name yet um i had studio but that was (laughs) uh, just an idea if anyone has any ideas please do tell me because i'm stuck (laughs) <laughs> okay and we can look forward to a, a packaging refle- um, refresh soon as well on the contrast yeah. so lots going on that's brilliant thank you very much henry we will take a break now and be back in a second to hear uh what aid's been up to and what everybody else has been doing and the news <laughs> and etc back in just a sec And we're back. Uh, let's see what everyone's been up to this week. Um, and I'm hoping that you guys have had a more successful week uh, than <laughs> I have. Um, Rach, let's start with you. How's your week been? It's been it's been good. Um, I've actually had a relative a relatively quiet week, so I've been trying to blast my way through all of the. Uh, uh, all of those jobs on the list that end up getting moved each day to kind of like, oh, I'll do that in two days time. And then it ends up getting moved to next week and all of those. So I've been trying to work my way through through all of that, really. Um, mainly this week, it's been making up uh, some more analog adventure kits. Uh, I've been um, busy with a couple of um, my residency workshops. I've got my next one, my penultimate one tomorrow and then the last one on Saturday. So that's exciting. We're looking forward to seeing what people create with that. It's been really interesting to see and to hear about different people's perspectives on what a space or place means to them, what libraries mean to them. Um, and I'm really looking forward to um, – I had lots of fun kind of going through the uh, the old archive room, um, bring, uh, getting getting hold of old sort of documents and, um, and logos and all sorts of fun things that – they've created over the years since it opened in 1934 this particular library so that's been uh, that's been wonderful i love that kind of stuff um just sort of like rummaging through the old the old paperwork and things um so i'm looking forward to actually starting to pull it all together uh with that i've been doing a bit of um session of violin as well uh and busy with some commission bid writing and things because obviously you have to kind of keep on doing those whilst you're working on other stuff to make sure there's things coming up in the future and i think probably lastly i sent off my nomination information for the rps 100 heroines um campaign so um obviously i've mentioned previously i had been nominated which is lovely um and they asked for a photo for profile and also some images, some of my work and some words about the kind of thing that I do uh, with little vintage photography. So I've sent that off and uh, I actually literally on the break then I went and got my half cup of tea and I <laughs> I had an email come back from them. So they're clearly working late too because <laughs> it's quarter to 10 here <laughs> at night saying uh, saying that it was it was good stuff. So, uh, so that's cool. Um, and uh, yeah, that's pr- pretty much me this week. It's uh, it's mainly been those things. Like I say, I've got two, two more workshops coming up this week and then uh, and then that will be sort of like finishing off uh, pulling it all together really mm-hmm. oh, how about you graham uh i've had an eventful week in photography um <laughs> not a do remotely want... successful one. Oh no well do you want to check with aid first or do you want to give us your news now <laughs> no let aid go first before i really bring the mood down <laughs> 
oh dear oh dear oh dear well i i so i i've i seem to have hit a a new low volume streak <laughs> with my photography um i am still shooting through uh the first roll of double film that i put in my camera and i'm not I, i'm i'm not shooting a lot but i'm enjoying it i'm enjoying it anyway um but i did have a bit of a moment this week where i suddenly realized that we're supposed to be in the middle of fine art for mm-hmm. uh the cheap shots mm-hmm. challenge and uh i haven't done anything about that and i'm not even sure if i've got any film for my camera so i don't know what don't know what the deadlines are on that but i think i'm probably be a little bit behind the curve at the moment ah you're right no we, we're only in the first month so we, you've got until the end of october i mean we're towards the end of the first month um actually we must find i know we haven't put it in here we've got a, an email mm. uh, rach you found a couple of links yes. that fine, and actually um we had an email which kind of really sums up uh fine art which we'll, we should read out because i suspect that um we're all struggling a bit with the concept of fine art and we have a definition which probably won't help anybody but (laughs) but at least we'll know what we're all struggling to reach so we'll get to that later um so um this was it yeah it's good that you mentioned it because actually it was a link that was shared on our facebook page see i do read the facebook page uh the sunny 16 facebook page um from a lovely listener called dan novak and he sent over a link uh, which was to mymodernmet.com. What is fine art photography? Definition. <laughs> yeah. So, well, uh, yeah, yeah, so uh, that was an interesting link to help with the definition of it. Um, as as Graham responded to that, which was a comment saying, the definition is the least of my problems, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> which is, I think, how we all feel about it at the moment. So, uh, yeah, that's good. Yeah. <sighs> okay. So tell us your problems, Graham. Tell oh. us your problems. Okay, well, okay, so... It kind of it started in a small way. So I was um, out last Sunday. Um, I went to this uh, live podcast recording, and I had my OM one with me. Um, I'd taken a few shots, and I'd loaded up a roll of the uh, Kodak. Um, oh crumbs! What's that? The Kodak Pro Image One Hundred. Uh, so, okay, because I bought a five pack of that. I thought I'm going to try roll that out. So I was out. It's a nice sunny day, shooting some of that. But then we went into the actual gig itself, and it was quite dark. I thought, well, I'd like to try and get a couple of pictures just to sort of remember the day. But this is not going to do the job. But I did have a roll of um, Fuji Natura sixteen hundred, which I did a film swap ages ago with Ken Bryson. That I've been sort of sitting on that, thinking, oh, I'll take that. So, well, that's fine. I'm about halfway through this roll of um, one hundred Pro image. I'll wind it back, and I can always use it again. And so I went to wind it back, and you know, you can just kind of tell the moment you turn that dial I was like yeah that definitely hadn't taken that was not on the spool that was just sat on the end there so no so I don't think any of those pictures were taken so that was pretty good and also now I've wound the leader back into the cassette so (laughs) great um so I'm talking okay do I assume that I had messed it up and just start again from the beginning with that and risk double exposing the first 12 or do I skip past the first 12 and risk just so many choices, so much fun to have? Anyway. This uh, could be a new artisanal film. Um, <laughs> yeah, Henry's you, like, this is a good idea. We'll do that. Maybe he'll just send all the films to Graham from now on and he just shoots some random stuff and then you roll it back in. <laughs> well, I mean, it's not a bad know, idea. 
I mean, yeah, see? <laughs> you could also just make it so you don't know which films have, which um, frames have been pre-ruined. Um, so you're taking a picture and think, well, will I get an image on this? Will it just be blank? Will it be horribly? <laughs> and it adds to the intrigue and excitement. So, um, yeah, I think. Isn't definitely... that what happened to you last time we did a cheap shots challenge? <laughs> yes. Yeah, actually, that pretty much is what happened last time. I'm, I'm on a real hot streak at the moment. Um Anyway, uh, what night was it? Tuesday night? Tuesday night, I think it was last week. Um, I thought I'm going to do some developing. I hadn't done any developing for ages, I think since early summer. Um, and getting a bit of a backlog of film and just really want to get through it and just have some time doing that because I do enjoy developing film. So uh, I thought, well, I'll do the colour film first because I got had six rolls of colour film to develop. I um, thought, so, oh, that's fine. I can do that in a couple of batches. It's nice and easy. So I loaded up my Patterson tank, got my Bellini kit um, and mixed it all up, blah, blah, blah. First three films in there. Dunk, dunk, dunk. Twirl, twirl, twirl. Um, all the movements that need to be done. And then had that most wonderful moment, which we all look forward to as photographers developing at home, of pulling out those rolls of film to see how it's come out and seeing that those rolls of film were all completely <laughs> and utterly blank. Uh, no! <laughs> the pain. Oh, no. Uh, yes, exactly. The three rolls of film that could have been... Um, without wishing to sound horrendously cruel, on the bright side, at least two of them were my children's films. <laughs> so... Um, and I know they were. Hang on, did you say without trying to sound cruel? <laughs> hey, look, I can't help how I sound. Um, <laughs> I, but I know that one, they won't really have cared very much, and they were taken on a couple of twitty plastic cameras, so you know, not a terrible loss there. Um, have you ruined one of Sinead's as well? No, fortunately, not one of Sinead's. It was one of mine. Annoyingly, it was one that, that I shot um, when I was out. Uh, visiting the um, Black Country Museum and there's, so there's quite a lot of cool oh. stuff and it's like, oh, yeah. that those might have been because I, I had, I was looking through my Lightroom um, files the other day and just realised, oh I don't think I've actually taken a picture I like yet this year um, which when you're at the end of September is a little bit depressing um, mm. I assume all the pictures that were really good were on that role that I nuked um, so Celebi, um, at least I found out before I developed the other three roles of film, um, but yeah, there you go. So that was that. So um, total fail of my Bellini developer. Not really surprising. I think I mixed it up probably back in April. Um, so it's been sat for quite a while mixed. And I'd run... It's been quite hot since April as well, mate. It, it has yeah. also been quite hot. <laughs> yeah, that is a very fair point, Aid. Um, so, uh, yep, that went in the bin. Um, and not wanting to be completely uh, done in, um, I did do some black and white developing afterwards. Um, uh, just to my, clean the palette and make sure. <laughs> I tipped my fixer into a jug and uh, there's just, I mean, it was crystallising. There was oh, just loads of bits floating around. No, no. The, the, no, the, okay. fixer, the fixer doesn't go orange. It just starts to crystallise um, mm -hmm. or something. I don't know, but there are a lot of bits in there. Um, but it's all right because I... <laughs> I strained it through one of Sinead's dishcloths. <laughs> I, oh I did not tell Sinead I strained it through one of okay. her dishcloths. Oh, my God. Well, that's probably worse. Don't poison her. Jesus, uh, throw I, it out. I, 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 put it, I put it in to be washed. I'm sure it'll be fine. Um, and then I did... did Don't did, try this at home, folks. I, I did then dispose of the fix. I made a bit of a boo-boo with that as well um, because I had a roll of FP4 to develop 
and a roll of HP5. And so I mixed up HD110 at um, 1 to 31, which is a fairly standard dilution. Um, and it was perfect for the FP4. Did that first, came out nice and contrasty, you know, looks great. And then went to do the HP5, and I've got a um, film developing app on my phone, which is great because it's got all the times and stuff. And I put it in the details for the HP5 and realized that that was going to give me a developing time of three and a half minutes. I was like, hmm that's a bit short um so i diluted the uh hc 110 down to one to 60 something or other 64 i think it is and it was fine that the negs weren't quite as um sort of strong as you know as they should be but they were fine they came out okay i did manage to drop my developing tank upside down in the sink whilst i was doing that and i might have sort <laughs> of broken that a bit um so that was yeah it was a really good evening. i also just ended up throwing chemicals all around the kitchen as well it was, I was oh just hosing them everywhere. it's a nightmare what are you doing henceforth known as disaster week it i think was, it wasn't right. it wasn't the best scene i did have to do quite a lot of mopping up um before, before Sinead came back in the kitchen um but you know we throwing uh, them around on purpose or in frustration or just because you were clumsy uh, the latter all, all okay. of this really comes down to just general incompetence um so yeah so i had to get rid of so my c41 kit is done and my fixer was done um and i um thought well that's fine i'm not gonna get any more chemicals anytime soon because i'm actually as previously mentioned hoping to set up a dark room shed at some point in the next couple of months and then i'll get some new chemicals um but then I saw an email saying that my camera club, which I really haven't been to at all over the last year because I've been too busy, is has got a meeting next week. And the subject is um, cars and bits of cars. And the last pictures that I took that weren't absolutely terrible were a year ago when we went to visit a car museum. So I thought, oh, I could do that. But I've got no way of printing these, these digitally. Sorry, the, Rach. These one, I was going to say, these are the ones you bought on Instagram? On yeah. your my, Yeah, they would look great. Yeah, really they nice. Could, they were literally the last pictures I took that I liked. Um, <laughs> okay. But I've got no way of digitally printing those at home. I thought, well, okay, I'll, I'll just have to do a darkroom print. So, um, mm. And luckily, I was able to go into my local town and buy... Um, some Ilford fixer uh, and paper developer because my paper developer uh, when I went and looked in that bottle had gone very brown so having already had a total fail on the negative developing front I thought maybe I won't try my luck with the paper developer <laughs> maybe I will just get rid of that first um, but yeah it was great to actually be able to buy things on the high street at my local place um, and it wasn't cheap you definitely mm. paid a bit of it but you know there you go it was I'd have paid postage if I'd had them delivered so swings and is it where you got my um my last minute emergency fp4 stuff yes exactly yes it is. so you like you say you pay a premium but it is good at least to know that there are options for on the high street if you're really stuck and yeah. don't have time to get it posted and stuff so that's cool yeah, and it's worth supporting them. I mean, I don't do it a lot yeah. because it's expensive, but I'd, I'd far rather that there was a source that I could go in. Um, as it transpires, I may not be able to make it to the camera club meeting because I'm, the time I had allotted to make these prints has been eaten up by discovering that I have to write a talk on binomial plant nomenclature uh, for tomorrow, which I started on today. Um, so that's all good. I forgot about something for an entire year. So anyway, that no, has so been... That you do that every year for this? 
Is this the one you do every year? Yes, pretty much. Yeah, it has been pretty <laughs> yeah. much every year. Um, so, so you this is I know, there's one there's one presentation gardening presentation you do every year, <laughs> round about the same time, and every year you forget about it. Yes, yeah. This one is, is that this one, or is this just a random yeah. extra one? No, that is very much this one. This is the one I've done <laughs> the last few years. <laughs> but, you know, you are a gardener, right? <laughs> yeah. Yep, I do know that. Okay. Uh, actually, the, the thing that really makes this one a doozy is the fact that the subject that I said I'd speak on is just something that I absolutely cannot wing at all and actually needs quite a lot of preparation for so really shot myself in the foot on that one never mind it definitely seemed like a good idea a year ago when I was got a whole year in front of me to prepare for it (laughs) Uh, never mind it's all good fun it's all fun what have you have you been out with camera tour this week Henry uh not particularly I try to go out with uh my baby walleye over the weekend but just partly due to the weather and due to timing wasn't Mm. really feeling it what's your favorite kind of subject matter to shoot uh i mean uh, the the easiest thing to say is every street because you never know what you were going to uh, going to shoot Mm -hmm. then Mm -hmm. um but i like i like finding interesting angles in architecture Mm-hmm. And if I can see something on the street, I like then to take it. I I don't upload so off um, so much to my personal photography account, mm-hmm. and I've loads of photos just sitting on a hard drive, which I need to sort through and just decide right these I'm going to post. But yeah, it's mainly street. Cool. Oh. I was just looking at your um the or the Brett's analog feed and um, one of your recent pictures because I said you you don't you're not a, an excessive poster on Instagram <laughs> like my good self you you know the correct amount of posting which is not very often um and one of the most recent shots is from the much talked about last week Xpan um which uh is one of a number yeah. of quite fine cameras you have um. Are these all down to your father and his uh, kleptomaniac tastes? Quite a lot of them, <laughs> although uh, it's it's become kind of a habit of me. Whenever I visit somewhere new, I'll have a look around flea markets or charity shops or whatever, see if I can find something interesting or not widely used. For example, um, over the summer. I was in Spain and I found a 127 1930s camera from the UK called a Burma Packlight, I think, which relies on a weird mechanism where the um, shutter actually goes across like a uh, like oh, a wide lap. Yeah, I've seen those. I didn't realize that was 127, but yeah, I've seen those. They, yeah, you kind of tilt it left to right or something to. I never quite understood. I read up on them and I've seen them, but I've never actually held one to understand how the shutter works. Yeah, that's strange. So please don't tell me that you found the X Pan on, on some cheap charity shop. Oh, no, no. <laughs> Good, because we'd have to hate you <laughs> if that was the case. <laughs> but you were saying earlier before we were recording that one of the things about having quite a lot of these cameras floating around is that. You're quite happy to just have a go at them in the way that um yeah. and do things. So, what kind of stuff have you actually done to some of these cameras? Like some of the Leicas you've got kicking around that might um could be of concern to people. Yeah, so I I think the the one thing that a lot of people are a bit 
iffy about, although it, it looks good, is um, I have a Leica M6, which I've then, re- it's a black paint Leica, which I've then reskinned red. <laughs> so it's a, it's a black and red Leica M6. I love um, it. <laughs> so, yeah, sounds good to me. Yep. Uh, I'm now trying to find a red lens hood, although that is quite hard to come across, but it if I can find one, it will complete the set. And does it do the necessary job of upsetting like purists? Oh yeah, definitely. Good, that's, but that's can That's what I was aiming for. I'm glad. <laughs> I, I saw in the past also that you attempted doing a repair on an Olympus trip. You seem quite happy to get hands on in there. How did the repair go? Fine, it's fully working. I still have it. That's one of my uh, personal ones which I keep static you know in my in my bag ready to go um but yeah it was it was a uh, really common aperture fix which is it's the like the most common thing that will happen to an olympus trip and loads and loads of them actually have that fault and the amount of tutorials online about how to fix them you it's not hard to do you just need a few screwdrivers and you can just get going and do it Perfect. There you go, listeners. Be like Henry and just wade on in there. It will all be fine. Or alternatively, be like me, wade on in there, and it will all be a disaster. Uh, You've got two choices, really. Um, (laughs) We have got some new stuff this week because there have been some new things and some updates on what's going on. Um, Rach, do you want to talk about the first news thing that we both saw today, which is quite exciting? Yeah, absolutely. So um, this was from uh, the lovely Sinistil. Obviously, Andre uh, Dominguez, we, we we know Andre well. He's uh, um, runs, obviously, his own podcast too. And uh, he's working with Sinistil. I think at the moment he's actually over in Photokina, but I'd heard that this was going to be happening and then saw today that M at Emulsive had put out an article about it. So um, this is basically a a kind of temperature control system uh, from Sinistil. And uh, the title of the article is uh, not a sous vide. Is that how you pronounce it? How do you pronounce it, Graham? Uh, sous vide, yeah, sous vide. Sous vide cooker. Not a sous vide cooker. Um, this is Sinistil's uh, temperature control system, the TCS1000. It's a useful <laughs> tool for simple film development at home. So there we go. Um, and, uh, yeah, basically it's going to be starting at uh, just under 100 dollars and shipping from the sort of like middle sort of like beginning middle of october uh basically it's a compact home film development device so it's a way of accurately controlling the water and chemistry temperatures when you're developing film at home so uh something that would be really useful for if you're doing you know more than one or two i think if you've got a few more roles uh, this would be probably very, very interesting, very exciting for, for you. And um, especially if you're doing colour, um, because to be honest, the colour temperature and, and um, like the temperature that you have to keep it within to do co- home developing colour is what's always made me go, oh, I'm not sure if I'll actually be able to do that. And I know you kind of throw caution to the wind, Graham. And to be honest, I I usually tend to, but for some reason, I'm a little bit more reticent about having a go at colour because of trying to keep it within the sort of half degree or whatever. Mm. Uh, always felt a little bit too um, impossible <laughs> for me. So, um, so yeah, if 
seeing this happen, uh, seeing this come out has made me go, ah, that is something that would be very, very useful. Um, considering I, you know, in the past have been known to sort of like try and develop film in ridiculous spaces where there's like obviously no electricity and no heating and all this kind of thing. So taking along old, you know, um, aquarium heaters and things and trying mm. to heat a bucket of water and all of, <laughs> all of that kind of fun, um, which is a lot of fun, uh, but isn't necessarily that accurate. So it seems like this would be a very good way, a very cool way of actually um, keeping it regulated without too much hassle, without too much stress. So it's something I would definitely be interested in. The price point, unfortunately, is a bit high for me. Um but perhaps that's one for me to um, super save up for. Maybe maybe for Christmas next year, perhaps I might have been able to save up for it by then. <laughs> to buy my own Christmas present for me. <laughs> um, but yeah, looks great. Yeah. Um, uh, have you seen it as well, Aid? Did you notice this had come out? Uh, no, I didn't. No, it's yeah. uh, it sounds sounds pr- pretty interesting. Yeah. It's uh, it's it sounds uh, yeah. It, it's not something I was aware of at all, to be honest. Yeah. So it says they have um, a it, well. It says where it differs from devices um, such as the cooker um, uh, is that it's about getting a specific temperature and keeping it there. Um, so it's got a very wide temperature range from 0 degrees centigrade to 95 degrees centigrade. Um, fine temperature control um, with a plus minus 0.11 degree. That's amazing, really. Um, fully adjustable, two-stage two developer and Blix timers. So great for Graham, obviously. And it's also corrosion resistant ceramic temperature control elements and non-metallic Im- impeller blades for circulation. Oh, that's a new word for me. What are impeller blades? need to get one and find out (laughs) impellers propellers push something out behind them impellers draw something through yeah bring it in i guess yeah so yes so uh, it's um i i'm i'm looking at the pictures of it now and it's um truly something i have no idea about (laughs) is it so is is it like for people who are into this sort of thing right because you know that i'm not i mean you know and i regularly Mm -hmm. get a bit of flack for not being into this sort of thing but that's Mm -hmm. okay because you know the good thing about photography is it's a very liberal place (laughs) (laughs) right uh is is there a like a a, a gas for dark rooms? <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, absolutely, there is. Because um, uh, I don't even suffer from gas for cameras, so gas for dark rooms is way <laughs> off my radar. Ah, oh, no, no, there there certainly is. Um, I mean, it, it's more limited, but you've still got, you know, you you can uh, the the aspirational things are things like a Jobo developer. And um, you know maybe some nice lenses for your enlarger. And I haven't got any Jobos that need developing. <laughs> uh, uh, well, how, how would one develop a Jobo? <laughs> uh, it's it's a long and co- long and complicated process, and you need to get um, uh, you know. Does it need a shaky first. cooker thing? <laughs> um, I can't imagine you have room for a Jobo processor in your uh, magical wardrobe. Uh, or am I wrong on that, Henry? If it's magic, um, of course he has. <laughs> probably not. Probably not. Uh, I'm not the biggest fan of the, well, the, the Jobo. From what I've seen of it, it's, in my opinion, quite expensive for some, for something that could be done very easily without it. Yeah. Uh, that's that's just my personal opinion. I don't know. I'm sure people who actually have one 
think it's very, it, it is very good, but no, personally, I haven't tried it out. Yeah. Um, personally, I am, I am quite uh, excited about, well, yeah, maybe excited is pushing it too far because I don't think one should be excited about a water heater. If, if you're excited about a water heater, maybe that's a, an indication <laughs> yeah, that my life is really, you know. <laughs> yeah. Um, having, having, you know, sort of like stood next to a bucket of water and tried to heat it with an aquarium heater and mm. knowing how much of a faff that was and how long it took, I, I'm kind of excited about this. I think this is a good thing. You should be. Yeah. It's fine to be excited about that, Graham. That's cool. Yeah, I mean, because it, it is a bit of a faff getting the temperature right. So the, the yeah. developing the uh, ill-fated developing that I was doing at the weekend. So I, I, the way I do it is I have a, a um, freezer box uh, cooler, as they call them in the states, and I fill that up with hot water, plonk my chemicals in there, uh, <laughs> and then wait till they get up to temperature, and then go for it. But like the water I put in there was far too hot. So by the time I'd wandered off to do one thing, came back, my my chemicals were all far too hot. So like, okay, now I've got to take them out, plonk them in cool water until they cool down enough. Mm-hmm. And it's just all a bit. I mean, and, and I'm I don't worry about being super precise. Honestly, Rach, you definitely should give color developing a go. It's way easier than you think. It's just yeah. so easy. Yeah. Um, and yeah. the margin for error is you know far more. It's just it kind of you just illustrated it though because I mean y- you may not know this, but I I kind of get distracted quite easily um and <laughs> but but the great thing is that because the process is quite I mean, especially Look over the, there right something shiny <laughs> squirrel. It's a squirrel. <laughs> um, um but, and but, halfway through i mean you'll notice by all the like half drunk cups of tea that sit around my house i'm like ah, <laughs> oh, it's not at the right temperature just yet i'll walk off and do something else and then by the time i get back it'll be done but then two things happen in between and then i have to heat it oh yeah so i have a similar tea issue maybe it'll be good for tea yeah maybe mm. The good thing is that, especially with the Bellini kit, like once once you've got the temperature right, you just go and it's done, and it's all really quick. And you know, especially That's the cocktail, with, right? Um, <laughs> yeah, exactly. The I, I, yeah, I'm not getting. I'm not getting. Yeah, it's. I've got a mental baggage with the name Bellini. It's either <laughs> it's, it's either some kind of cheap wine that teenage girls drink. That's Lambrini. Uh, or, or maybe it's some sort of Italian coffee making device or something. I don't know, but. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it's a me, Bellini. Um, it's or, quite... or it's or it's a type of sausage roll. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know what a Bellini sausage roll is. I feel like we're going off the topic here slightly. Yeah, slightly. But but anyway, um, I, I've been listening to Andre uh, from the Negative Positive podcast banging on forever. It seems like about how good he finds using a sous vide to heat up um water for color developing at home and having something uh, and sous vide cookers are because i did look into it thinking oh well andre recommends this i ought to look into it and then i realized that andre clearly has deeper pockets than i do because they're not cheap um (laughs) sous vide cookers are probably around the same price that this is going Mm -hmm. to be and this has the advantage of being built with a purpose in mind so the temperature range that it's effective within accurately is better suited to film developing than to cooking um and um and it's built to deal with you know the the chemical immersion and so on so um yeah it's good and and although it's not cheap um home developing color film if you do a reasonable amount of it the it will actually pay for itself reasonably quickly um uh, and and certainly in the convenience factor because mm, that, mm. that is the big i mean you know black and white developing it will be, it's still useful for that although to be honest with black my chem, my chemicals the other day were like uh okay i need this to be at 20 degrees 
what are they at? 25 degrees. Close enough. I'll just compensate. Um, and it's fine. The thing, anybody who's not home developing needs to realise it's fine. It's all fine. You just fudge these things. And guess what? It's fine. Unless, of course, you play your negatives and they're all totally blank, which is not fine anymore. Um, it's all fun and games until someone gets hurt. Um, I think that's the, that's the thing because I've always thought of it as I'm very much of the trial and error and sort of kind of give it a go and see school of thought, you know, and, and I guess that's why I kind of go black and white. So forgiving usually that trying to do color was always that, Ooh, I suppose I'd have to do this like a proper person yeah. <laughs> and actually, you know, take notes and things. Um, uh, I just meant to say before before we finish off at the bottom of um, M's article, just say if you're impatient and happen to be in Cologne between um, September 26th to the 29th, so that's this week, uh, you can drop into Photokina and see it for yourself. So if anybody does happen to be around, uh, as I was saying, obviously Andre's over there at the moment at Photokina, so I imagine he's taken one or two with him uh, in his in his bag. I saw that he posted some photos of his packing on Instagram. And it looked very exciting. So, yeah, you should um, go and have a little look and check it out for yourself and let us know what it's like. Sounds like a very good plan. Um, actually, a good follow-up to this uh, is something that um, Robert from London Camera Project is putting together. Um, they are doing a uh, darkroom workshop, uh, working with the E5 process darkroom people who... Um, uh, that's the dark room that Tino is involved with, uh, Tino, who we've had on past, mm -hmm. and um, Hussein, who we are hoping to have on the future if I get my act together and can nail him down. Um, a, a dark room that does lots of fun stuff. Um, so if you look up uh, London Camera Project on Instagram or Twitter, you will find uh, he's been communicating about that. I don't think there's many places left yet. This is in London. Mm -hmm. uh, I probably should make. I think it's in East London. But if you perhaps haven't had a go at doing any home developing and you would like to try it out, um, do check that out. I know he's planning to do more of them in the future. Um, so that should be a really good fun thing to do. Uh, yeah. So, yes, developing is fun. Everybody should have a go. Um, do you, I take you, you obviously do all your yeah. own developing at home, Henry. Yeah, more or less. I try to. Yeah. It's, but, it's, it's, you know... And and Rach, just to cl clarify, this one you know you say about you were worried about um, color film because things that can go wrong. I just want to make it perfectly. I have also completely blanked the role of black and white film in the past to using dark <laughs> developer as well, so I can <laughs> I can mess things up for uh, no matter. You do um, not discriminate, do you? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> I, I quite literally don't see color when I don't develop it. Um, <laughs> Rach, you said there's another yes. Mersey meetup coming. That's right. Yes, I had a message from lovely Stig. He uh, sent sent out a kind of call to a few people who obviously have been on the Mersey meetup uh, photo walk in the past. And it's set for Saturday, the 27th of October at around 11am, I believe they're starting and it will be in the sort of Hope Street area of Liverpool. So for anybody who's around uh, in the northwest in Liverpool or just fancies coming popping along for the day um then Saturday the 27th of October is the date that they will, will be doing that and the best place to go to check out details for it will be at photowalk.me photowalk.me um where they will have that I had a quick look before and they've already got it um written up there so uh yeah excellent stuff you'll have to go along and enjoy a nice photo walk I think they were going to base it very much on the social 
aspect, um, i.e. going to the pub. So uh, <laughs> they will go definitely go and shoot some shoot some film beforehand. Um, I've been told uh, that that is the general plan. <laughs> definitely go and shoot some film first, and that they will probably end up in the pub. Um, so unfortunately, I'm not going to be able to make it that day. I'm I'm booked in to do a, a, a literacy fair where I'll hopefully be selling some of the analog adventure kits. But depending on what time that finishes, maybe I'll get down to meet them for the all important bit in the pub afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, if anybody else is around, um, 27th of October for that one. And there's loads of other excellent photo walks that are all listed on the photowalk.me site as well. So I'd always suggest going and have a little look, little look at that. Um, I know that the, there's one in Dublin. Um that's been set as a featured photo walk meetup for somebody who's newish to County Clare and is looking for film photography buddies. So um, that's in Dublin on the 30th of September. And I think actually Andre is on his way back from Photokina and is dropping in on that. So uh, yeah, exciting stuff. Awesome. That's very cool. Um, we have obviously repeatedly mentioned the fact that Photokina is uh, going on as you listen to this. Um, and there are a few analog things there. I think there's more analog mm -hmm. stuff there than there is. Than uh, just Andre. Uh, than just Andre. Um, although arguably that's enough. Um, although I'm disappointed, yeah. Henry, that you aren't there representing. Um, uh, I would if I could. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you Next you year, did do the it. London Fair, though, didn't you? I yes, think. I try and make it to the uh the south london camera fair when i can um mm -hmm. i know the owner george quite well if you want more information on that there is a uh he does have a flicker site just search up south london camera fair i'm normally there selling my film so fantastic yeah. awesome um yeah, uh, there, there are, I think, a few... There's a bit, a bit more analogue love. I mean, there's not a lot of analogue love, but, there's, <laughs> but there is more analogue love at Photokina, certainly than at the photography show. Um, we already mentioned Sydney still are there. Um, I know Kodak Alaris are over there. Um, and I think there are a few others, but I, I do not know who, I'm afraid, because I'm a bad person. I know Paul from Analogue Wonderland is there, mm -hmm. uh, no doubt. Mm -hmm. Um you know, moving and shaking as Paul does. And actually, I'm uh, hoping uh, that we'll have Paul on again very soon so he can give us a breakdown on what he found at Photokina and also let us know what happened and how the um, competition went uh, so we can hear yeah. all, all that. Because I think that's all done and dusted now. Um, I'm not sure, because <laughs> we're bad at this. Has anybody seen whether they've announced the winner yet for that? I haven't seen that they've oh, announced yeah. the winner yet. Have a quick look if you like. We'll so, yeah. check. We'll, we'll, we'll tell check tell another Paul. story and I'll have a quick look. <laughs> okay, well, whilst we're um, talking about that, or whilst he's, um, Henry, talking of competitions, as we were, mm -hmm. you've got a competition going at the moment, haven't you? Um, Yes, it's more of a giveaway. A giveaway? Even better, because yeah. there's no effort involved. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I am partnered with the Instagram account at 35mm. Uh, 35mm. Uh, where I'm giving away a roll of Contrast 12 and uh, one of the new prototype films that I was talking about, Studio 6. Um, if you're interested in that, go check out at 35mm. It's the latest post and all the instructions are there. It's very, very minimal effort <laughs> and you can just enter in, I'd probably say about two minutes. That's how long it will take. So <laughs> definitely go do that. That sounds good. Um, I'm not inherently familiar with um, at 35mm. What are those guys doing over there? Um, 
it, he is a uh, UK-based uh, photographer who also partnered with Analog Wonderland when they were starting out. Um, and I think he's based in he's, the, in Birmingham, yeah, Midlands. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So he's he's a really good photographer, but he also does these occasional giveaways. So I've yeah partnered with him on this one. Um, so go have a look at that if you have a spare two minutes. Fantastic. Aid, how are we getting on with one yet? Whether or not the competition we spent over a month pimping has or has not finished yet. So it falls into that awkward window between recording and publishing the show. (laughs) (laughs) Really? So as we record this on Monday for the show to go out on Thursday, the announcement on the website at Analog Wonderland says they're going to announce during Photokina tomorrow. So by the time you listen to this, listeners, go to the analogwonderland.co.uk site and you should be able to see what the outcome of, of that competition was. I look forward to seeing the, the what one because a lot of the pictures that the, the thing which repeatedly uh, I just blew my mind was seeing the pictures that were popping up that beginners were submitting oh, oh, yeah, and just going oh <laughs> please <laughs> please be lying please I don't mind that you're lying just please be lying because if this is a beginner's shot I'm throwing all of my equipment in the bin Actually, no <laughs> keep the equipment I'm throwing myself in the bin um, there was some absolutely <laughs> stunning shots um, oh dear oh dear yeah um, last bit of listening um, of uh, communication I want to get out before we move on to the emails um, is just to remind everybody that this is the uh, last week to um, nominate people for the good causes for the Emulsive Secret Santa. There's still more time to sign up to be part of the Secret Santa. They're doing really well. I think it's over 800 people signed up yet. And I would say with a high degree of confidence that as yet, and it definitely will be rectified, that 800 does not include any of the hosts on this show. Have either of you guys done better than me and got signed up? I am. Yeah. Not yet. No, sorry. No. I am. Oh, you are. Well done, Rach. And are you already, Henry? Yep. Yes, you and me, then, Nate. What a, what a non-surprise. <laughs> uh, a funny little link, actually, because um, my secret Santa last year was Robert from um, camera, um, London Camera Company. So that was cool. There you Yay. go. So, yes, still plenty of time to sign up for that. But most importantly... Um, if you know of a good cause that would benefit from getting some awesome photographic gear chucked their way from an amazing selection of sponsors, then do get them get them nominated. It's the only way. If you don't nominate them, then they've got no chance of being part of it. Um, and um, you know, and uh, even places like the E5 Darkroom, I wonder whether that would qualify. Quite likely, you know, there are people out there mm-hmm. helping promote stuff. So, um, you know, th- if you're not sure whether something is fitting or not, nominate it. Because they'll go through, there will be a review process afterwards where um, M and his team of happy elves will look at these things, look at all of them, get in touch with them and see if they are fitting. And then they will put forward their selection to be voted on. But if you don't nominate, then there's no chance. So it's far better, if uncertain, to nominate than to not nominate an individual or a group doing something cool. And that's all I have to say about that. Should we take a, another quick break? Sorry, Rachel, you've been mm-hmm. saying something? 
I was just going to say, um, obviously, as that nomination's closing, just a quick reminder that the RPS 100 Heroines is also closing this week. So, um, obviously, this goes out on Thursday. Um, I think there's maybe like one one more day until it until it actually closes. So, um, we'll make sure that that link again is in the show notes in case there's anybody that you would like to nominate for that. Yes. Cool. Awesome. Been Sounds awesome. good. And before we go for a break as well, because I'm going to have to disappear at this break, I'm afraid, because mm-hmm. I uh, I have to get up at five. The... <laughs> I, 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 lack of dedication to the cause, if you will, but I actually have to get up at 5.30 in the morning and go negotiate a multi-million pound deal. So. <laughs> <laughs> for, for, for us, for Sunny 16? I'd be uh, very sadly, happy to let you go. Sadly eight. not. This is the, this is the <laughs> intrusion of my slightly less amateurish life. <laughs> only <laughs> slightly less. <laughs> only, no, for me, not you. <laughs> um, so yes, certainly my, my slightly less amateurish life is, is is impinging on my ability to to uh, come and do this Sunny Sixteen podcast this week. Um, but uh, so I, I do have to go. I am afraid, but I cannot leave uh without uh reading uh, a very quick email um uh, what i have dubbed the email of the week and it is from a very good friend of the show neil piper hey neil good to have your note um it just this this just this just this simple little email folks hang on just hang on episode 118 about 30 minutes in did graham just apologize <laughs> surely i misheard that to so that's be fair. <laughs> to be fair. I was very confused by my internet breaking down. A very uh, discombobulated. That is the only reason that happened, and I retract oh, whoever I was apologising. No, no, no. You can't retract it because you apologised to me, <laughs> and I didn't actually say anything at the time because I thought this is too good to be true. So I'm going to leave it and just see whether you mentioned anything, and you didn't. So I'm really pleased that Neil actually uh, picked up on that. And no, you can't retract it. Tough. What did I apologise <laughs> to you? For? I can't. Um, I actually can't remember, but I I was so bowled over by the fact that you did apologise. This <laughs> but, is this um, is yeah. This is so this is maybe the second time in 118 <laughs> episodes that you've apologised. Oh, God, too many times, <laughs> too many times. It show one one nine. Just just so you know. Yeah, good. Yes, yeah, sorry, you're right. It is at the moment. Sorry, I was reading one one eight because that's what it said in Neil's episode. So yes, so there is still. <laughs> no, to be fair though, Rach, there is still time for Graham to apologise to for something before this show finishes today. <laughs> our, our once annual apology from Graham, I think, is probably not going to happen again. <laughs> no, next year, next year, next year. That's the secret Santa gift. <laughs> oh, a handwritten apology just for something just for something um well aid we're sorry to lose you but we will take a very quick break and return aidless for a quick blast through the emails which aid has thankfully already put together for us um, <laughs> well listen listen henry uh great to talk to you however briefly i'm sorry i couldn't be here for the whole show this week but but good luck with all those endeavors it sounds like really interesting stuff thank you and sadly, before we do the emails, Henry has to get on to because we have kept him here for a very long time chatting, as always. Um, Henry, can you remind all of our listeners where they can find out about what you're doing, please? Um, Instagram at brett's.analog or website, which is brett'sphoto.co.uk. Perfect. Everything should be up there. Awesome. Henry, keep on doing what you're doing. It's wonderful. I love it. And I cannot wait to see where you It's been really nice to chat to you. Yeah. Ideas take you in the future. Thanks, Henry. Bye.
just the two of us. That's all that's left, listeners, I'm afraid. It's just me and Rach, because everybody else has bailed on us. Never mind. This is all you really wanted, isn't it? Well, it's Rachel's all you really wanted, but you got me too, because <laughs> uh, I'm the one that records stuff. So never mind. Um, Aid has very kindly prepared a few emails for us. So uh, I'll take the first one. If that's all right with you, Rach, from our... Of course. Uh, this is an email extract from our good friend, Jeremy North, the real Jeremy. Uh, Jeremy writes, A while ago, my son's TV had a gravity-related incident and ended up with a broken screen. I kept it, intending to replace the LCD panel. I couldn't find one on the bay, so I was going to put it into the recycling bin. But a few days ago, I had another idea. Having taken out and disposed of the broken panel, I thought about what was behind it. LEDs. I stripped out the circuitry related to the TV tuner and screen drivers, etc., and plugged it in. It's a huge light table. Really (laughs) bright, too. So there's a tip for all of your listeners to keep in mind if they come across a broken LED TV and need a light table slash light box. Unfortunately, I chucked out the casing of the telly before I did it, so we'll have to come up with a solution using the mounting bolt holes. I, I, how do you, the whole stripping bits out and it's still working is where I get completely baffled and bemused by this. Um, but well done. Don't ask me. I have I have batteries that blow up next to me for no apparent reason. Yeah, so you, you have your super... <laughs> I'm not the best person to ask about. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> But yeah, that's great. Very, very um, imaginative and uh, resourceful. And I'm always up for that. That's great. Well done, Jeremy. Yeah, uh, there is a follow up, um, which says uh, Jeremy is also aiming to mount it on a tripod to make a soft light. Mm -hmm. And then in very big capital letters afterwards, which I'm assuming aid has added, do not try this at home. We'll wait and see how Jeremy gets on first, but I mean, that's a great. I would never, it would never have occurred to me that a TV had any life once it was dead. So, um, that's a great use. Get great big fifty-inch LED light panel. Mad, that'd be quite amazing. Uh, I want to see pictures of that. Um, Rach, do you want to take the next one from Ronnie Brandon? Yeah, so Ronnie um, has got back in touch as a follow-up on the Super 8 um, question because I asked asked a question uh, about development and scanning. He'd been to New York, I believe, and uh, gone and filmed with his Super 8 camera. So I asked about that last week, whether there was any information in his email about how he got it developed and scanned. Anyway, so he says it was the aforementioned Gage film that did the job on his Super 8 as well. A very fine job it was too. He says, I'd imagine for anyone who has developed their own 35mm stills vision film at home, which I haven't, this is probably no different except that 50 foot of film won't fit in a Patterson tank. (laughs) Um, So you'd need a specific Super 8 tank. Don't know about scanning though. That sounds like a nightmare. Maybe project it, film it on your phone or DSLR and then invert the negative in Photoshop could be an affordable way into the whole super eight thing perhaps so yeah so uh, it sounds like gauge film um obviously uh, did his did his development and scanning too so that was cool good glad to hear about that and thank you very much for getting in touch to let me know ronnie um i was curious to find out where it had been done yeah i'm not sure his suggestion of projecting it then filming it then that does not sound like an easier workable suite. <laughs> i mean it starts off with you needing to have a super 8 projector and going from there i think this idea needs more work running i'll be honest um <laughs> we are hoping to speak 
to the uh, lovely people at Gage Film in the not too distant future. Um, they have suggested that maybe a good time to talk to them would be around the release of the Ectochrome film, because obviously that is planned to come out as a Super 8 film as well as 35mm. Um, so all I can say is. Uh, come on, Andy. Uh, hurry up exciting. and get that film out. Yeah, yeah. We, we need it because you're now holding up podcast guests for us, which I think is probably <laughs> the biggest problem with the uh, delay in uh, Mexico. It cannot be far away now, can it? Um, it cannot be I far away. All we want for Christmas is Act Chrome. All we want. And there's uh, a new song. There. And, and the last uh, actually no not the last one i'll let you um read the next one rach because this is from facebook i i'm not sure did you put this one in from facebook or, no or, or, i actually, don't know this we... must be this is from the website uh <laughs> I, I will let you read that one uh from iona yule oh right okay so iona yule who is the daughter of fraser yule who emailed a few weeks back actually uh, I don't know if you remember this particular email, but anyway, um, it says, hello, some beams, Rachel, Aid, and Graham. Yes, in that order. <laughs> um, she says, my dad says I should enter the Cheap Shots Challenge as my granddad gave me a Canon SLR camera for nothing, which makes it eligible for the Cheap Shots Challenge. I know the subject is fine art. I have Googled this and it seems to show lots of naked people. <laughs> I am only 10, so it is very different for my eyes. My mum won't post for it and I am not asking dad. So I need to think what to do. Please, can you tell me when the deadline for the entries are? Thank you from ANU of the ovaries in brackets. So um, she was she was the um, daughter uh, who had basically gone to Fraser and, and said, oh, that's Rachel, the one with the ovaries. OK, <laughs> so now we know who, who she is. And actually, um, Fraser had um, put in an order for an analog adventure kit. So uh, I believe that was actually to be sent over to Iona. So hopefully she's got that now. She should have received that. Um, and I hope she does um, have fun with it and enjoys enjoys using it, building it, making the cyanotypes, etc. That would be great. So, um, Graham, right? Um, fine art, fine art photography as the subject for the cheap shots challenge. Stuff that's not naked people. What is it that we can suggest for Iona to try and and shoot instead of naked people? Yeah, it's it's not easy, <laughs> is it? Um, it's not. This so, is Johnny's fault, isn't it? This is Johnny's fault. So we had a, a brief email from um, Sven Olaf Humberset, who um, was sharing his thoughts and on what fine art is. And in some ways, I think they kind of um, summed up uh, quite a lot of what was in the articles that you and I were reading earlier. So I'll just read that quickly. <laughs> so he writes, Hey, guys, I've been thinking about your lack of a de definition on fine art photography. And if you haven't already got the answer, I wanted to give my thoughts. To me, it's simple. Fine art is a subject is sorry, try again. Fine art is a <laughs> photograph where the subject in the frame is not the subject of the photograph. So there you go. <laughs> as okay. in as in a picture of a person looking at the camera is a portrait, but a person in shadow facing the other way or blurred, etc., is all about what it represents. A still life is a still life. But a still life of a broken pot can be symbolic, i.e. fine art. Anyway, you get my point. I'm not entirely sure I get his point. Um, <laughs> so um, thank you very much. Oh, uh, 
Oh, hang on. Shall also, if my Bronica SQ135 back will fit your ETS, Graham, I will gladly lend it to you for testing to see if it's worth it. Sadly, Sven, I don't think they are the same size backs on those, which mm -hmm. is a real shame. But thank you very much for the offer. So, Shall I, shall I read the other one as well, just to see if it gives a different uh, opinion? So the, the other one that we were going to send a, put a link in in the show notes says, this is in um, – oh, sorry. So the title is uh, about – photographers who have elevated the power of fine art photography and basically it says um that it's a direct opposition to documentary photography fields like standard photojournalism which acts more as a visual report recording the scene without manipulation fine art photographers are artists who use photography as a medium either on its own or incorporated into their artwork through collage so really fine art photography runs contrary to what most of us think about when thinking about how we would use a camera most amateur photographers use their cameras to document important events and capture memories without necessarily artistic motivation. Instead, a distinguishing feature of fine art photography is that recording a subject is not the main purpose. These artists use photography as a means to express their vision and make an artistic statement. It kind of says the same thing, really, then, doesn't it? Yes. It's talking about how it how it's um, implied or what it represents or what it stands for um, by by the use of um whatever's within the frame i guess or not in the frame as maybe yeah it, it is a tricky one to nail down um i think a good way of looking at it is if you take a picture that when my partner looks at it she goes mm, i'm not sure about that and then you explain to her what it means and she just looks more and more skeptical over time that's probably fine art um you know i if you have to go well here's what it represents to me because clearly you're not going to appreciate it as it is then that might be fine art um in some ways in fact in probably always the my myopic me uh, project is probably very much the epitome of fine art um mm. because you look at it and go well that's just garbage but you go well no <laughs> here's what it represents um it's not easy but what I would say to everybody who has perhaps been agonising over what, just have fun with it. Just, just have fun. Remember that the whole point of this is to be an enjoyable thing um, and have as much fun coming up with your interpretations for what your pictures are as you do in the shooting. Um, have you... I'm really looking forward to seeing what Iona actually does with this. It'll be really good to see what she comes up with. So, uh, yeah. Thank you for uh, getting in touch. It's lovely to hear from you. Yeah, absolutely. And good luck to everybody out there who's shooting. Because as Aid mentioned, you know, we are we're we're getting through it. Um, we have had our first pictures actually, Rach, um, which I we won't go into this week because I'm shared That's them with exciting. you probably. But mm -hmm. the um, previously mentioned Daniel Novak, who got in touch on mm -hmm. Facebook, has sent through some pictures. So um, we will start uh, hopefully next week, if I remember, we will start actually talking about describing and, and talking about the pictures as they come in, um, mm -hmm. because uh, yeah. Uh, that might also help other people get an idea about what to do. Um, the the other question was about the deadline. Uh, so I, I asked what was the deadline. Could we remind people? Yeah, so we are looking at a deadline of about the end of October. You've got a good month yet to get stuff in. Um, yes, because we said a couple of months and it was the beginning yep. of September. So yeah, end of October um, is the deadline. Still plenty of time. And the great thing is that it's not really weather dependent. It's not anything dependent because it can be anything remember 
the key thing you need to take away is that the subject of the picture isn't the subject. I, we cannot make it any clearer than that. Go, go forth <laughs> and just know that we are and all create. as confused as you yes. are. <laughs> um, so I think that uh, that's all the emails that Aid has pulled. Um, you know, Aid is very much in charge of the email. So if there's anything missed, he seems to have missed one from Angela asking um, how he's uh, getting on with the package recently sent through. Uh, well, um... <laughs> uh, that's a surprise that he's missed that one out, isn't it? Shocking. Um, I, know, I, I know. I wonder why. Um, but yes, uh, yeah, here we go. P.S. How are your OMG stash faring at the moment? Sunbeams. Well, still non existent. <laughs> yeah, one sunbeam <laughs> has been gorging himself on them. Um, but yes, that will do us for this week. Thank you, as always, for the brilliant emails coming in. Um, it's always lovely to hear from you guys, and it's fantastic to see some pictures coming in as well for the new Cheap Shots Challenge. I'm really excited to see how this one goes. Very Ooh. excited. Um, is there anything else we need to talk about, Rach, that we've forgotten about? I think that's all for this week. Um, so, yeah, uh, I was just looking at our housekeeping and realised that in our show notes template, it still says at the top, thanks to the Pixelated Photographer for hosting. Yeah, <laughs> um, did you notice that, that that's still in there? So we need to take that out. But anyway, but thank you for, to the Pixelated Photographer for previous hosting. Indeed. <laughs> um, and all that, all, all that was done for us at that point, at that period of time uh, before Aid was going off to make his, his deals for work. Um, so uh, you can find us on Instagram, on Twitter, on Facebook. Uh, on all of those, we're at Sunny16Podcast. And email us. Obviously, that's also the way to put in your entries for the Cheap Shots Challenge as well at sunny16podcast at gmail.com and finally Roja will be um, playing us out with music again which is from our album Promises I Should Have Kept and you can find us also on Spotify, Amazon or iTunes Couldn't have said it better myself and Thanks. Um, and oh, just don't forget uh, hashtag your pictures on Instagram Sunny16podcast and Eric may well feature them, he keeps putting those things up and don't forget to join the Sunny16 Flickr group Sunny16podcast mm-hmm. Flickr group um, which uh, Matthew is busy kicking into gear um, over there lots of fun stuff to do we will see you next week listeners with another fantastic guest uh, until then have a lovely week out there shooting in what remains of the sun uh, it's stopped raining now have a lovely week Rach Thank you very much, Graham. It's a pleasure. It's a very simple ending. It's weird weird with everybody being gone now. Where's Aid? Aid's gone. It's just us. Do we have to do our own little like tune and twiddle our thumbs now? Okay, bye. We'll we'll just sit here until he comes back. Yeah, bye. Bye, everybody. Until next week, bye.